He knocked in a 52-yarder last week against the Patriots from 57 yards away. Here he goes, and he's going to get it! 57 yards! This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. obsessive like my brain I like I get fixated on things it's like I get into a TV show or I get into sports or I start working on a project it's like it's all I can think about it's all I can do like I can't get my mind off of that one thing until I get bored with it or I, or I get it done I'm, I'm very obsessive about things which is probably why I'm I'm doing this job because I can obsess about sports and I can obsess about like, a brewer game for example but sometimes like, I obsess over dumb things, uh, and today I've been obsessing over the idea of Krogist. Um, we all know Craig Timber is very much a thing, and I, you know, I'm always trying to think of, of ways to create content and create memes around Craig Council and Craig Timber. I think it was Made Wiley, who's uh, one of the better Brewer Twitter accounts in the Twitter sphere tweeted the other day he tweeted something that like Craig Tember is out and Krogist is in and I I, I I don't know what to do with that but we need to do something with that and I I haven't been able to think about nothing else today I <laughs> like does it fit on a bumper sticker does what what do we do with that because Kro- Krogist <laughs> right it's just so funny it's funny to say it's funny to think about this is why I haven't got anything done today is I'm just I'm I'm off Craig Timber. I'm off Craig Timber content. I'm selling Craig Timber and I'm buying Krogist. But I I don't know what to do with it. Krogist. Am I the only one that thinks that's fun? I think it's funny. I think I think it's hilarious. I think it's beyond funny. I think it's one of the funniest things I've heard in a while. Krogist. Uh yeah, anyways, that's that's what's been going on in my brain. It was just a hamster on a on a wheel up there. And it's just thinking about the word Krogist. Ever since I've seen it. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope your week is off to a nice start. First work day of the week didn't totally blow. Your Monday wasn't awful. A little bit easier to be around the office today. Brewers have won eight in a row. It's a nice pick-me-up. Jordan Love looked very good again on Saturday. No reason to feel down about our Packers. Certainly no reason to feel down about our boys in brew. Their first winning streak of eight games since 2021. And I think that's significant. I think that's very significant. We're going to talk about that here in just a couple minutes. I I don't think there's any coincidence. But when I heard Brian Anderson say yesterday at the end of that broadcast, their longest winning streak since 2021, I said, God dang it, I know exactly what I'm going to say tomorrow. I, that's all I need. I can talk about that for an hour, comparing what's going on right now to what was going on in the middle of the season, June, July, in 2021, the last time the Brewers won eight games in a row. In fact, I think... They won in 2021, and I have the 2021 schedule in front of me. Between June 22nd and July 2nd, they won how many games in a row is that? I'm not going to count on air. Don't make me do it, ESPN. Just put it in the headline. 11 straight. There we go. 11 straight straight wins. I was filling in for Bill earlier today, and I'm going one, two, three, four. No, that's bad. Don't do that. That's bad radio. They won 11 straight. 
in total in 2021. The Brewers right now sit at seven straight. But both of these winning streaks, they have one common thread, a very common thread, and it uh, will tell us a lot about this Brewers team and the way they operate. So I want to talk about that in a few minutes. We'll get into the Packers later on in the show. I talked with Mike Clemens for pert near 45 minutes today on Bill's show, and he brought a lot of interesting stories and sound bites to the table about Packers Seahawks, which is on Saturday, and then leading into cutdown day, which is tomorrow. The Packers have to cut almost 40 people. Uh, they got a head start today releasing punter Pat O'Donnell. Pat O'Donnell. Uh, so we'll talk about that at some point. And maybe, just maybe, depending on how the show goes, uh, I'll, I'll play a little bit, play one of the better highlights from my conversation with Mike earlier today. If we're getting tons of calls and the conversation is popping, then you know we can just talk to Mike tomorrow when he's scheduled to join the show live. But Mike did say a lot of interesting things, and I, I think it would be worthwhile to maybe share a comment or two with you from uh, my earlier conversation today with Mike. So that's TBD. We'll leave that for the second hour of the show. 608-321-1670 is the number to call the show. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you want to tweet me there. Oh, and by the way, in a half hour at 4.30... Uh, I want to give you my unpopular NFL takes. Looking at my notes, I have four of them. I had a Trey Lance take on the Bill Michaels show today that was met with some caller pushback. I think it was fair pushback. I also think it was unreasonable pushback. The pushback came from Tony in Texas. And I thought, well, if my 49ers Trey Lance take is going to be unpopular, what other unpopular NFL takes might I have? So I came up with three or four more. I will share with you my unpopular takes here in about a half hour. I do want to start with the Brewers. They beat the Padres yesterday 10 to 6. Sometimes when your team's got it going on, you just it, it, certain things don't matter. Like Adrian Hauser yesterday. Adrian Hauser went two innings, gave up four runs, only struck out two, threw 43 pitches. I, I mean, c- c- catastrophe. I think he, he got hurt. They put him on the 15 day IL today. Um, but a catastrophe start, right? Only recording, only recording six outs. Uh, giving up a bunch of runs and forcing the bullpen to enter the fray in the third inning. But the Brewers are humming right now. So it didn't matter. Bryce Wilson comes in, throws four shutout innings. The Brewers offense scores seven runs in the sixth, another run in the seventh, and the bullpen locks it down. It's just sometimes when you got it going on, you got it going on. Or as Jerry Reed once said, when you're hot, you're hot. That would also apply. Uh, in this scenario, Abner Uribe yesterday had his first bat outing in forever. Abner Uribe started as a toolsy, flame-throwing reliever, young, unproven guy. But Craig Council sees utility in those guys. Craig Council is so good at looking at pitching prospects that are high up in the minors and saying, okay, that guy can help us in this role. It was Corbin Burns in 2018. Right, Craig Council, if Craig Council is your manager, you basically have an additional reliever because he's so good at finding that young guy who most managers wouldn't trust and most managers wouldn't use. But Craig finds that guy, gets him work in the regular season, builds him up into a role that they can actually be a helpful reliever into the playoffs. And it's like you get an extra high level reliever out of it. Well, Abner Uribe yesterday had his first bad outing in a while. He recorded no outs. He gave up two runs. He didn't record a strikeout. Couple of walks. A nightmare. And it didn't matter because the Brewers are playing some kind of baseball right now where they can absorb a two-inning start from Adrian Hauser and they can absorb a a catastrophe inning from Abner Uribe. And they, they just, when a team is playing like this and when a team is in a groove like this, they can land punches. The Brewers fell behind four to one yesterday. Did anyone turn off the game? I didn't. 
and there were parts earlier this season, there were there were stretches of the year, I would have turned that game off in an instant. I would have gone and done anything else. Oh, we're down four to one. It's over. I'm going to go take care of this. I'm going to go do, I don't know, whatever errands people are. I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to go deposit this check or whatever errands you have. I, I would have done something else yesterday. The Brewers fall behind four to one. It's over. It's done. Adrian Hauser was our starter today and he was pulled. Uh-uh. This one's out of reach. It's over. And yet, despite the two run uh, or the, despite the two inning start from Adrian Hauser and the blow up inning from Abner Uribe and the early four to one deficit, that game felt very winnable the whole time. And that just goes to show you how well this Brewers team is playing right now. When you're playing that good, sometimes it just doesn't matter. Or as Jerry Reed again said, when you're hot, you're hot. It's no coincidence that the last time the Brewers won eight in a row was 2021. It is one of my favorite stretches in recent Wisconsin sports history. And I know it didn't involve a deep playoff run, didn't involve a championship, didn't involve an MVP, or it didn't involve any sort of hardware that we can point to or they can hang in a stadium or they can hang in a trophy case of a team or a player. 2021 Brewer season gave us nothing to hold on to other than some, some really fun stretches of baseball. And I think of late May, June, July, when that Brewers team was humming. Like I said, that's the last time they won eight games in a row. They had an 11-game winning streak, bumping up basically into the All-Star break. I think there was a series or two following that winning streak before the All-Star break, but they basically played red-hot baseball right into the break. And I'll I'll never forget that stretch in time. I, I say this often, not to get all philosophical on you here, not to get all emotional, but I say this all the time. Sports are, are the soundtrack to our life, right? I'm sure I'm not the only one that connects... Sporting events, games, specific wins or losses with real life events, right? Think of all of the Packers playoff losses. I bet I, I bet you can tell me where you watched each one. Uh, Arizona Cardinals loss in 2015. I had uh, three of my best high school buddies over. Uh, I, and I know their names. I'm not going to put them on blast, but I remember exactly the three that were over. I remember we watched in my living room upstairs. My parents were gone. So we had the whole house to ourselves. We weren't drinking or anything. We just, we were good high school kids. We weren't, you know, we weren't drinking in high school like that. It'd be very irresponsible. 2016. Remember that playoff game, uh, that playoff loss. I was in college. It was miserable. That was the NFC championship game. Watched it in a greenhouse, uh, just off the campus at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, right over by Little Caesars on 10th Street, right by Bikes Limited, if you know where that is in Lacrosse. Great home, great house. Uh, lived next door to an older couple. They'd lived there forever, not student housing. Great relationship with them. Because anytime we had a function in the backyard, I'd made sure no one went over in their house. You respect the property line. Okay, we had a good relationship. I watched a couple playoff losses there. Uh, 2021 against the Buccaneers, I watched at a coworker's house. He now does uh, rock radio in uh uh appleton thank you good memory uh 2022 i watched in my apartment that was peak of the pandemic not much going on oh no that was the niners game i watched that in milwaukee outside at the harp after going to bucks kings but the point i can remember where i watched all these games and i bet if i if i told you about this big game and this big game you would remember where you watched who you watched it with kind of what was going on in your life when the brewers got hot in 2021 and they won that 11 games in a row. This is the last time the, the Brewers had a streak like this. Willie Adamas had just got to town. Right? You guys remember this? And I remember this stretch of time so fondly because it finally kind of felt like we were coming out of the pandemic. 
the beginning of the season was weird. Uh, half of a crowd in the stadium. It didn't feel like we were back to normal. And then eventually the Brewers did their reopening day. Very good marketing idea. Tip of the cap to Rick Schlesinger and his staff. It was a good one. Like golf night. They fit some home runs the last couple of years. I remember reopening day. And I remember life felt like it was getting back to normal as summer was really picking up. And I remember Memorial Day uh, being home visiting my my parents. We went down the the highway to the local supper club and there was a band playing and the crowd was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And people were just so happy to be in groups again and, and to have summer feel normal. It was great. And this stretch in time coincided with the Brewers just taking off. And it was because Willie Adamas got to town. Willie Adamas showed up and instantly from day one as a Milwaukee Brewer was the heart and soul of the team, which doesn't make sense because Christian Yelich had won two MVPs and there'd been other players who'd been on the roster, who'd played huge roles, played in big games. But for whatever reason, Willie Adamas was different. He, he carried this extra level of zest and zing and pep. And there was just something about him, the way he looked, the way he acted. He he brought the claws up thing, which was a miss by the Brewers marketing department. I call in balls and strikes here. They have plenty of hits. They've had some misses. Now, Brewers would have gone on a long playoff run. Maybe claws up would have stuck, but you know. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. So we could play that game all day. I, I just remember that stretch in time being so fun because we were getting back to normal out of the pandemic and being so fun because Willie Thomas got to town and energized everybody. Now, fast forward two years to right now, a little bit later in the summer. So fast forward two years and, and a couple odd months. The Brewers are streaking again. Team looks different. This season feels and looks different. This does not feel like a World Series contender the same way the 2021 team felt like a World Series contender. But at the crux of this winning streak is Willie Adamas, who's swinging the bat better. He's getting singles. He's hitting home runs. He saw a hit a uh, home run against the Twins in person on, on Wednesday afternoon when I was at the ballpark sweating my, sweating my you-know-what off. There's no coincidence that the last two big-time Brewers winning streaks in 2021 and now in 2023 at the center of both streaks is Willie Adamas. And I don't know why that is. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why the sports gods decided to make Willie Adamas so integral to the inner workings of this Brewers team and this Brewers offense. But that's the way that it is. This offense and this team goes as Willie Adamas goes. I don't know why that is. I don't get it. Because, again, William Contreras is great. Christian Yelich has had an awesome year. And Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta, countless great players on this team who've been here a while and who feel like they're a part of the fabric of the team. But it, but it's Willie. It's it's Willie Thomas. I don't know why. Have to talk to a Brewers guest this week. They can maybe better understand it and better explain it. But I, I there's no coincidence at all that Willie Thomas has been at the heart of the last two big-time winning streaks for the Brewers. Just took him a couple months. And by a couple months this year, it basically took him the whole season to get going. 608 321 1670. Let's take a call before our first break. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hello, hello. Good talk. Okay. Nice. Three minutes. We'll come back. Continue the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you listening. 
been a fun day. I was in for Bill Michaels earlier today. I got to test drive some of my takes. So now I feel like I, I really got them dialed in. I feel like I'm really ready to talk about the Brewers. I have some unpopular NFL takes to share with you. It's coming up at 435 or so. I was talking about Trey Lance earlier today on the Bill Michaels show. You know, test driving a take. And I got some pushback from Tony in Texas. Some of the pushback was fair. Some of it was not. But but we don't need to talk about Tony in Texas. I realized that, well, if I have an unpopular take about the Niners and Trey Lance, what other unpopular takes do I have? And I thought of a couple. I'll share my unpopular NFL takes with you coming up in a few minutes. But we're starting the show with the Brewers. If you have thoughts on the Packers, I'd love to take your call as well. Let's start with Mr. Cone Roller, 608-321-1670. Mr. Roller, good afternoon. Mr. Bills, hope you had a great weekend. It's great to hear you on a Monday. Uh, I did hear your Trey Lance take, and I'm fully with Tony in Texas. Bad take. Yeah, but okay. But Tony's pushback, I'm, I have nothing wrong with pushback. You should know this, Cone. Uh, Tony's pushback annoys me because Tony is Mr. Well, I knew all along that Trey Lance was going to suck, and I knew Zach Wilson was going to be bad all along, and that's just not true. But but Tony is, he's a little bit, he's revisionist history in Texas sometimes, and I, I have to push back on that pushback from him. And that that is very fair pushback because okay. Tony does, he kind of does play that. Oh, I knew it at that time that this was going to happen. And Tony, let's be real, you didn't know. So. Well, and that's fine. If Tony calls in this evening and he wants to rehash, I, I will just say that to him. And I look, sometimes I can do the same thing, like, oh, I knew this all along. But, but we don't. We all need to be honest with ourselves and, and stop with the whole, well, three years ago, I had, I knew this about this guy in the draft. No, you didn't. You didn't have an opinion. You didn't care. You were just along for the ride like the rest of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> Anyways. Yeah, for sure. Sorry to rant at you, Cohen. This is my beef with Tony, not with you. No, that's okay. I'm always kind of in the middle of these things anyway, so good that's, to know. That's good true. Be- <laughs> and speaking of loops, you know, you did unveil a Brewers take that I really, really liked uh, on the Bill Michaels show, saying how, you know, they're kind of like an electrical circuit. You know, one component is missing, and it, it all goes to crap. And I think we've dialed in that that key component, that light bulb, that fan, that's Willie Adamas. It go this team goes as he goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I again, I don't know why it is. I, I don't know because Yelich has won MVPs. Like Yelich has been the best player on a World Series contending level team. And William Contreras looks awesome. And I, I get that offense and pitching a little different, but Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, I there's no shortage of spark plugs on this team. There's lots of good players, but for whatever reason. It's Willie Adamas. Like, he's the guy. And I, I don't know why that is. It's something with the sports gods and their voodoo deciding how this team is going to click. But it's it's Willie Adamas. I, I, I can't explain it. Yeah. So, and I think that's kind of where the Brewers are. Because, you know, ideally you'd want this team to be, you know, going to the circuit example, wired in parallel. Where if, if one component is not working voltage does not drop across the whole circuit you know if a light bulb goes out the fans are still running Mm -hmm. but this team is kind of wired in series where you know voltage drops across each component and if if one thing is it's kind of like a train track if one piece of the track is missing you can't deliver voltage or energy in this case to to the rest of the lineup and i think the brewers kind of know that so when they do have bad components you know like a jesse winker they just rip and replace, you know, bring in a new young gun, Sal Freelick, see what happens. So I think the Brewers have the right mindset and kind of know that, hey, this team goes as Willie Adamas goes. This team 
cannot afford to have, you know, bad players in the lineup. And we saw that with Winker getting replaced for free. Like, you know, I think Christian Yelich is kind of getting off scot-free here for his month of August as well. He hasn't been great. Um, I I was a little bummed because I I don't know if it was the month of July, but it really felt like we were getting somewhere. And I thought, you know, the power is going to get here. We're going to get the power. Man, he hasn't hit a home run in like two months. He hasn't been awful. He hasn't regressed fully back to where he has been, you know, in years past, excuse me, but it's a lot of slap singles and, you know, it's, he's cooled off a little bit and his at bats aren't as scary. I I wish there was a little bit more of a threat from him, but you know, he's getting on base. He's, you know, running the bags, but you're right. You're totally right. Thank you. I appreciate that, Cone. And very good breakdown of circuits. I forget you're an engineer. You know, we know you as this caller and, and you know, this big-time Badger booster, which, by the way, week one is on Saturday. How excited are you? Uh, are we, uh, can we do confident, concerned, whatever breakdown? Like, give me, yes, to wrap up this call, give me something you're confident about, something you're curious about, and something you're concerned about. This is classic sports talk radio, yes. All right. Confidence. I'm confident that Luke Fickle is a leader of men. He's not a little beta boy like Matt LaFleur. He gets his business taken care of, and he is the real deal to lead this team forward. Love, okay. That's what I'm confident in. Okay. Concerned? I'm I'm just concerned with the offense switching completely. I mean, I saw the depth chart today. There is not one fullback on the depth chart in Wisconsin football. Like, that, that concerns me a little bit. Shut up. I get that we need to get with the times. But we can't we can't be making all these leaps, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and curious. Curious. Um, quarterback room. Yeah. Let's see if Mordecai is getting all this hype and if, see if he you know delivers. All right. I can get behind that cone roller. Those are your three C's. Appreciate you, cone. Yeah. Thanks, Grant. Have a good one. That's a good circuit breakdown. I couldn't remember. I know there were series, or I remembered parallel. Parallel is the. The, the fancier circuit where if you one part of it disconnects, it keeps going, and then series, if one part's ripped out, then the whole thing comes crashing down. I remember that in principle, but Cone is, he is an engineer, uh, among other things. I do enjoy an opportunity to learn more about our, our friend Cone Roller. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, it's Clem Headmike from Chicago. Clem Headmike. I love when you two go back-to-back. It's just excellent oh, radio. It's awesome. He's a tough follow. I mean, he's, I was, I'm so impressed with his. I didn't realize he was an electrical engineer. I'm so impressed with his uh, knowledge of electrical circuits. I was a electrical electronics technician in the Navy for six years, and the last 40 years mm. working on copiers and stuff, I fixed a lot of circuit boards. And uh, yeah, he's so totally right about series and, and uh, parallel circuits. And I, I can go a little bit farther as a guy who fixed on the boards that you can have perfect components and you got like a bad solder joint or like a bad a connector or just a lifted uh, circuit trace and the, you don't know what what's wrong all of a sudden something will start working and here it goes and you're you're everything's hunky-dory and you don't know why but it just fixed itself and uh i heard a technician take a component they'd wrap it up in towels and run it at full power and and the solders would melt itself and it would start working again <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, he's he's always he's really good. He's tough to follow. But um, anyway, I I was watching um, I was watching uh, first things first on the YouTube channel and Nick Wright. I know you're a Nick Wright fan, right? Yeah, I like first things first. It's on in between yeah. Bill's show and my show, so sometimes I throw it on in the TV in here. Yeah, it's entertaining. Oh, I had it on um, just before you came on on the air, and 
Uh, Nick Wright, I, I don't I don't get cable, so I don't watch any of the stuff. But he's on a YouTube channel right now. And Nick Wright, I, I follow a lot of paleontology videos. Nick Wright kind of reminds me of early modern humans, which we used to call cro Magnums. <laughs> he looks like but one. Anatomically, <laughs> anatomically modern humans. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm looking at him looking at his AFC East predictions right now. He's got Dolphins, Bills, Patriots, Jets. He says, if you think the Jets are going to win more than eight games this year with a 40 year old quarterback and no nobody to throw to, he says, you're you're nuts. So, uh, yeah, way to go, Nick. I'm, I'm with you, man. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. The AFC, the AFC East, someone's got to get last, okay? And it's going to be surprising no matter who it is. It, just Buffalo with how good they've been, it would be surprising. If the Patriots got last, they're coached by Bill Belichick. I'm sorry, even, even if their roster and their team isn't as good, that would surprise me if Bill Belichick got last in his own division. The Jets got last. That would be a surprise. That would be a, a failure. And the Dolphins are so talented. They're so talented. And Josina Anderson reporting today, there's still a couple teams in on Jonathan Taylor. I feel like the Dolphins are. And if they get Jonathan Taylor, you have a hard time convincing me that that Dolphins team is going to take last in their own division. I That division is going to be very interesting because there's going to be some great teams that are finishing third or fourth place. And, and no matter which team finishes last, it's going to be a surprise. I can't wait. Yeah, I love Tua. I think he's a great man. And I I think he, he he didn't he have the highest quarterback rating last year before he got hurt. He um, was he was great. He maybe wasn't doing a whole lot, but I want to make game managers cool again. Like I, every fan have. base is looking for a game manager in one way or another, right? We just want a guy oh. that'll run the offense and mix in great plays. That's what Tua was doing. That used to be a dirty word. You're right. That used to be a dirty word, team manager. But now you got coaches and offensive coordinators that are really know their stuff and they're really picking up yeah. uh, fancy plays. Which you know, there's nothing wrong with a coach coming up with a great play and you're just executing that play. What's wrong with that? That's yeah. if that's game management. Uh, you know, being a game manager before game management was cool. Yeah, you, you know, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> Yeah, I just there there are levels to game managers. Like I bet Bills fans would love Josh Allen to at times be a little bit more of a game manager, so he's not slinging yeah. the ball all over the place and running and putting it putting himself in harm's way. I, I don't know. There there's there's elements. There should be elements of a game manager in every quarterback. And if Tua, you know, is is just a vessel to get the ball to his unbelievable offensive playmaker. Okay, well then fine. The ball's still going to Tyree Kill and and Jalen Waddle. And if they get Jonathan Taylor, man alive. I, I have a hard time convincing me that team's going to take last place. Nick Wright today predicted that the Jets will get last. That yep. also seems a little bit tough, but somebody's got to get last. Somebody does. And you're absolutely right. And uh, Josh Allen does scare me a little bit when I see his style play because I've been watching NFL football since the 60s. And yeah. guys that run like them, putting their head down and thinking they can run over people, quarterbacks, uh, they don't. They often don't last very long because he will get injured and he will get injured bad. You want him and, to do uh, it when he needs to do it here and there. Just you, like we wanted Aaron Rodgers to make the crazy play when he needs to make the crazy play. We we want more of a game manager than I think sometimes as fans we we admit to ourselves, right. Mike. I think we made when, some good points here. When Rodgers ran, he avoided contact. Contact. He was very good at that. Yeah. Tom Brady was a game manager, and he made game management cool. And you didn't even know he was a game management game manager. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Not all that. Appreciate you, Mike. You're a great phone manager, uh, if you'll take that as a compliment, because that's how I mean it. I do. <laughs> I take it. I'll take anything. I'm I'm cool with it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Uh, thank you, too. Bye. Clemhead Mike. We might get some Mike Clemens later in the show. Um, leaning towards probably not, but we'll see. I know we're going to talk to him tomorrow at, at the very latest, tomorrow with being cut down day. One more call. We'll take a break. The Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? 
figured once I uh, heard Cone, this is Begbon John, once I heard Cone call in with the Badger take, I figured we might as well just condense all Badger takes to this section so you can get <laughs> back to, uh, you know, being hyped about this Brewers postseason hey, run, baby. Oh, uh, mm. World Series or bust. I have, I have my unpopular NFL takes coming up next. No, we're moving off of it. So football guys oh. like yourself, Vagabond John, you can rejoice. I can stick around for a little while. Awesome. Well, going back and forth with a, a, a profile on Twitter called Badger Recruiting and was just responding. But, uh, you know, the talking heads of the Big Ten Network came out with their top five quarterback list. And notably, Tanner Mordecai left off the list. A six-year guy, if he was any good at quarterback, he'd probably be in the NFL by now, right? So for those people who are all excited and nothing could possibly go wrong, we should all just expect this to be awesome right away. The dude is in his sixth year of college football, and he threw four picks in the spring game, right? I mean, when you listen to Luke Fickle's interview with Jim Rome, uh, you know, and I only mentioned the name because it's an affiliate, right? So if you listen to that interview, Luke Fickle is calming expectations down a little bit. He says, look, Tanner, we like what he's doing, but he's learning a new system. He's got a long way to go. Yeah. I heard that, and I'm thinking – Luke Fickle might be just like Paul Christ, an incredibly honest dude, right? And, and we're kind of used to that here, so that's nothing new for us. But I do think, like, you know, in terms of what excites me, what am I worried about, and then what am I curious about, I'm excited about the wide receivers. I think we're going to see a lot of separation. I'm nervous. No, about wait, the quarterback. wait, 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 wait. This is, this is confident, curious, and concerned. Please use the correct yeah. words, the three C's. Got it. Confident. I'm confident that our receivers are going to force the defense to get fewer than 11 players in the box this year, Love unlike that. last year. So there's no way that the, the offense is going to be worse. I'm nervous or confident Dude, I messed it up. Concerned. Right? Concerned would be next. Concerned. I'm concerned about the quarterback room. Again, yep. if, a, if a player's actually really good, and we're talking fringe NFL guy really good, he does not play college football for six years, right? Like this is – if a player is actually really good at their sport, enough to draw preseason All-American, all this stuff, he shouldn't be playing college football for six years, probably not even four. So that's my Tanner Mordecai take. All That's right. what I'm concerned about. And curious, I'm really curious on how the defense performs. I think there's a lot of offense being added to the Big Ten West. Purdue's got a new quarterback. Obviously, Nebraska's on rehaul no- or overhaul number six since 2012 or whatever that is. Um, I'm curious about how this defense is going to handle playing Iowa when they have a quarterback that you have to worry about, and we can't put 11 guys in our own box. So. Being a little, I know it's game week and everybody's getting hyped and we're excited for an 82-degree sun-filled afternoon at Camp Randall. I'm excited for the season. I'm really excited to see what this looks like. But expecting these guys in this offense to come out looking like Ohio State from the last couple of years, you are chasing fool's gold. And I think we need to calm a, down a little bit mm-hmm. and expect, you know, 35, 40 points. Don't expect... 55, 60 points. All right, well, we can keep our, our hopes high. I, I always say you under-promise and over-deliver. So maybe Luke, Luke Fickle just, you know, using an old sales trick, under-promising. And, but in the back of his mind, he's like, oh, these folks aren't going to know. They're not going to know what hit them. Are you going to be at our, our tailgate at the Red Zone next Saturday, Vagabond John? My plans are up in the air. Don't know if I'm going to be in, in town this weekend. But if I am, I will be there. I am not. I uh, got invited to go up to Hurley 
oh. the great party town that is Hurley, Wisconsin, for Festival Italiano. Um, going to go hang out at the beer tent and street dance there. So I'm going to be having an awesome Saturday. Probably going a little bar crawl. Best bar crawl town in the state, which is saying something because we live in Wisconsin. So I'll be up in Hurley. Right. Well, a great cultural center that is Hurley, Wisconsin. Go up there and, and enjoy yourself. Vagabond John, I appreciate you. I'm going to let you go. Yep. Later. Later. I am confident that after this five-minute break, uh, I am going to tell you about my unpopular NFL takes. I am concerned whether or not you will enjoy this upcoming segment. I am curious to see if I have enough time to run to the bathroom over the next five minutes uh, during these commercials. Thinking I do, but curious. Uh, so we'll see. Those are my three C's at the moment. Uh, let's take a five-minute break. The Wisco Sports Show back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. If you want to get interactive with the show, send me your thoughts. I don't know if we're going to hear from Tony from Texas. He's been put on blast a little bit. I love good pushback on the show. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I thrive on it. Russell Wilson was asked about pressure the other day, and he said pressure is a privilege. I don't run from pressure. I run towards it. Okay. Um, I don't run from pushback. I run at it. Pushback is a privilege. Okay. In the words of, in the words of Russell Wilson, the corniest man alive. Uh, Tony called the bill michaels show earlier today i was i was filling in doing my best to keep the show running and on the tracks with uh with bill off today and i got to talking about the trey lance trade trey lance has been dealt to dallas for a fourth round pick and i think dallas did very good to get him i think that's a smart play Dak's coming up on a new deal they like Dak. they probably don't love him they probably definitely don't love the idea of paying him a boatload of money again. So let's buy a lottery ticket. See what this turns into. And if he looks even somewhat reasonably okay, then maybe we have a little bit of extra leverage. You know, uh, best best case scenario is he looks unbelievable. He develops and we get our future, future starting quarterback. For the same reason that I, I think Dallas was smart to make that trade, I think Minnesota should have done it. Because Dak Prescott is basically Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins is Dak, basically Dak Prescott. And I know that Dallas likes Dak enough, and Minnesota likes Kirk enough, but what's oh, the end goal here? You have to thread such a thin needle to make or win a Super Bowl with a quarterback that makes that much money that's limited. Like, I like Kirk, but he's not that guy, but he's paid like he's that guy. Same with Dak. So I thought it would have been worth it for a flyer on Minnesota. I think it was worth it for Dallas to take a flyer on on Trey Lance. But then there was some pushback. And I realized, well, if I have one unpopular NFL take, maybe I have other unpopular NFL takes. So I made a list. Uh, I have one, two, three, four. Like, great, you needed to count four. I just want to make sure I had the right amount of bullet points. Calm down. Uh, and in sports radio, when you list things, you uh, you typically play NFL football style music in the background. I don't make the rules. I just play the game. Sports radio. Uh, first unpopular opinion. I will just rehash what I said earlier today. I don't think the Trey Lance pick was that bad. It was a miss. 
and he's a bust, at least for San Francisco, and they took a bath on what they traded for him. But the spirit of the move, I don't think was that bad. The name of the game is to find your quarterback, and the Niners made a very conscious effort to do that. And I don't think a team is wrong in doing that. Just like the Eagles, when they drafted Jalen Rager a couple years ago instead of Justin Jefferson, it was a miss, but you know what? They were trying to get a weapon for their team. They selected the wrong one. What did they do? They turned around, they added A.J. Brown, and they drafted Devontae Smith. Right? They bounced back from it. They realized misses happen. Misses happen. And I was reading a piece that Ben Solak put out today at the Ringer, big Ringer guy, about this trade. And, and he went back and he looked at this draft again. He's like, well, what did you want the Niners to do? Did you want them to trade up higher for Zach Wilson? Because sort of ended up in the same spot. I'm going to take Mac Jones. Okay, but Mac Jones is fine. Kyle Shanahan has had plenty of fine. He's looking to move his offense. He's looking to move his team forward. Justin Fields. Okay, well, we don't have, we have evidence that Justin Fields can stay healthy and be a dynamic runner every week. That's about all we have concrete evidence of so far. So at the end of this year, if Justin Fields takes a really nice step and you want to roll the the 49ers over the Colts or not taking Fields, fair. But right now, I don't think that's fair yet. I don't think the Trey Lance pick was that bad. The idea is to find your quarterback, draft your quarterback. And I can't, on one hand, rip the Broncos for trading for Justin, or Justin Fields. Can't rip the Broncos for trading for Russell Wilson. And I can't rip the Rams for trading for Matt Stafford. And I can't really rip the Jets for trading for Aaron Rodgers if I don't take it easy on the Niners who are trying to do this thing, in my opinion, the right way. Capital R, capital W. So I don't think the Trey Lance pick was that bad. The Niners have had some misses in the draft. They missed on Solomon Thomas. They've missed on others. And they've had some hits. That's how it works. Brian Gutekunst is much of the same. That's unpopular NFL take number one. Unpopular NFL take number two. I don't think the Jets' weapons are that good. I think the defense will be excellent. Should be excellent. Now, sixth best in the NFL or best? best number one in the NFL there's a big difference there because I think if the Jets want to actually make a deep postseason run I don't think it's enough that this defense is simply very good they might need to be best or close to best in the NFL with a bullet and with the luck they had last year and the schedule they had last year I I just don't know if it's fair or reasonable to expect them to do that again but I think the defense is very good I don't think it'll be good enough but it'll be very very good I don't think the Jets weapons are very good and, and the Jets have been billed and sold to us a little bit as a super team. I don't think it makes sense. Garrett Wilson could be awesome in year two. And there's a really good chance that Stephon Diggs will be better than him. Own division. There's a good chance that Tyree Kill will be better than him. Same division. I think uh, um, Jalen Waddell, same division, could be right there with him. This is a golden age of wide receivers in the NFL. So... If Garrett Wilson is barely a top 10 guy or a top 15 guy, that's nice. That's really nice for the Jets. That doesn't do you much good relative to your competition in the AFC, especially if you start to consider, oh, the Bengals, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I sneaky think Pittsburgh's going to be really spunky, and I really like their young wide receivers. Right? I, I just... Garrett Wilson alone is not enough, and you look past Garrett Wilson... Randall Cobb, who's older than he was two or three years ago when he was too old. Alan Lazard. Oh, so now we're back to, is Alan Lazard a number two? We're doing that dance and and song again. 
The running backs, Brees Hall off a knee injury, and Dalvin Cook, who I think has lost a step. I think Dalvin Cook's borderline washed. CJ Uzama is their tight end. I, I just, I'm sorry. I don't think their weapons are that good. Don't tell me they're a super team. I, I don't think they're close. Unpopular NFL take number three. You know what? I think Washington will have some pep. I don't know if I'd pick them to make the playoffs, but I think Commanders fans are going to finish the season feeling very excited about the direction their team is headed. And not just because they have a new owner and Daniel Snyder's out of the picture. Everything I see about Sam Howell is very positive. Ron Rivera said today, well, if I would have known Sam Howell was this good, I, I would have started him earlier last year. Well, I mean, you did watch him in practice, Ron. You you, know, you have as good of a view of him as, as anyone. So maybe that's your way of saying, I probably should have paid closer attention last year, but that's not the point. Sam Howell with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, who I love. Both both Big Ten guys, Ohio State, Penn State. I just think that they got some pretty damn good weapons. And there, there's something to be said for the imperfect team with a, uh, with a good quarterback and great weapons. That's basically what the Vikings are. So if Sam Howell can be a spunky runner and, and, a, and a workable passer and, and a guy who makes some splash plays in his first year as a starter... I think Washington could win some games. I, I think they could compete and, and be right up there with a team like the Giants. I think they're actually quite similar. They're not going to be Philly or Dallas or San Francisco, but I don't know. I think Washington will be a fun team to follow on red zone this year. And I think there might be some serious fantasy utility between, you know, Paul Charchian was was hyping up their quarterback, Sam Howell, last week. I almost drafted him in fantasy last night. I got another fantasy draft tonight. Maybe I'll draft him. I'll put my money where my mouth is. Washington, pep, zip. I like that team. My final unpopular NFL take. We talk about the Bears like they have a poverty roster. And their team is far from an all-star team, but I think their roster is better than most people are are leading on. Now, I don't know about Justin Fields. I I need to see what he looks like in, in full year two or year three, depending on how you view his progression so far. With Chase Claypool, who the Bears hope is is matured and ready to settle into a role and DJ Moore and an actual grown-up professional weapons. I don't think he has the best weapons in the world, but they're workable, unlike with what he's had in the past. If, if Justin Fields is a reasonable good quarterback, it should come out with these weapons. And I don't know that they have a ton of game wreckers on defense, but I don't know that they have a ton of super weak spots. They added Yannick Ngankwe. They've just added good players with all that salary cap space. They just added a handful of good players and lots of good players can beat a team with a couple of great players because a lot of links or a lot of systems in the NFL. Like we talk about offensive line or uh, cornerback or th- these are weak link systems, meaning they're not defined by their best player. They're defined by their worst. And I don't know that the Bears have major weaknesses in any one position. Now, they, they're looking to add more special players. But I don't know that they have any liabilities. It's certainly not like last year and the year before. I don't know if the Bears will be very good. I don't know. I need to see Luke Getzey as more of an offensive coordinator and what Eberflus has and, and obviously what Justin Fields has. But I don't think their roster is this poverty roster that everyone is, or, or a lot of folks, should I say, making out the Bears to be. I think their roster is, is solid and in a good spot moving forward. Now we'll see what Justin Fields and some of these veterans or more veteran players can do with it. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll come back. We'll debrief on some of these unpopular NFL takes. Maybe you have some takes of your own. 
We'll talk more Packers. We'll get back into the Brewers in the second hour of the Wisco Sports Show as well. A lot more coming up. We're back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and tonight I defend the Niners and the Bears. I'm just letting loose some of my more unpopular NFL takes. I don't think the Trey Lance pick was that bad. The result was bad, but people miss picks all the time. I think the process was sound from the Niners. You identify your quarterback, you try to get him, they got him, and it didn't work out. And I think a big part of that was injury timing. I, I, don't, I don't even put that on the Niners. I don't even put that on Trey Lance. It just didn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work. You know? Another one of my unpopular takes. Guys, I don't think the Bears roster is as bad as everyone says. Well, the Bears, you know, they they, they got nobody. That's not going to be a good team. Um, Some people believe that the Bears won't be any good because they don't believe in Justin Fields. And if that's your opinion, okay, well, I'm not going to argue with you because I haven't seen Justin Fields be a well-rounded quarterback that can win games for a full season. Well, that's because he hasn't had any help. Okay, but sure, fine. But now I think he has some help, and now I would like to see it. This is not an aggressive Justin Fields sucks take. It's, I don't know. I haven't seen it. But this offseason, oh, the Bears made some really nice moves. They got DJ Moore, signed TJ Edwards. They signed Tremaine Edmonds. Yes, I pulled up a list. I'm not doing this from memory. I wanted to triple check my memory. They signed Nate Davis, a guard, Demarcus Walker on the defensive line. Um, there's, there's names that, that are just solid players. They got running back Travis Homer from Seattle. They added PJ Walker as a backup. They just added some nice, solid players. Robert Tunyon, the tight end, Dante Foreman, the running back. This is a very long, nice list. This doesn't include Yannick Ngakwe, who they signed more recently. This was just a draft of, or or a list of what they did before the draft. I, I think this Bears team has a lot of just nice, solid, quality players. And you can win a lot of games with just a lot of solid players. So we'll see. Un- unpopular take. I know I'm defending the Bears. Two minutes. Get this update from Zach. Hour two of the Wisco Sports Show next. He knocked in a 52-yarder last week against the Patriots from 57 yards away. Here he goes. And he's going to get it. 57 yards. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I don't even think I mentioned our guy, Anders Carlson, the first hour of the show. Cheers to him. Knocking through a couple of field goals on Saturday, including that 57-yarder. Kevin Harlan, front of the network, on the call. My dad texted me, kind of celebrating. I see what Anders Carlson did. Uh, and I it's occurring to me that I kind of have some stock in Anders Carlson because I keep saying, no, be patient. Be patient. Give the guy time. He'll come around. It's not personal to Anders Carlson. It's not, like, it's not like I am putting my reputation on the line as a sports radio host and as a takes guy that this guy's going to be a good kicker. He could suck. 
He could blow up and be off the team by week five or week six. My point is, even if that happens, I think the Packers are correct in their process of going with the young guy, letting him develop, and taking this year to figure it out. I don't think bringing back Mason Crosby this year does the Packers a damn bit of good next year, in the year after, in the year after, in the year after. I think this is the year to find your kicker. And I'm glad that Anders Carlson is making his kicks. Don't get me wrong, but don't, don't, don't make this like I own all the Anders Carlson stock. I'm just saying build for the future. I'm the future guy. My stock is in the future. Let's put it that way. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're all having pretty solid nights. First day of the work week. Okay. Not too bad. Yeah. That's all you can ask for. We might get to a question and answer from Mike Clemens later on in the show. He joined me as I was filling in for Bill earlier today. But the show is, has been flying by. and It's been a wet and wild show, so I might not even need the assist from Mike Clements earlier on in the day. Let's get back to some calls. Eric on I-90 is here, 608-321-1670. What's up, Eric? How's it going, Grant? It's going good. Um, good, solid weekend. I went to the Mitchell Park Domes in Milwaukee yesterday for the first time. Have you ever been there? Um, are those, is there a lot of plant life there? In the oh, place? yeah. Yeah, just big green balls of glass with a bunch of plants in them. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So that was, that was my day yesterday. I've been, there. I've been there, yeah. You can see a lot of different, uh, you know, plants from all over the world. Yeah. yeah it's pretty cool. So well, a, world, a worldly fellow like yourself, I just figured you'd appreciate such a thing. Bless you, Grant. <laughs> hey, oh, by the way, before you get into whatever football thing you want to talk about, because I know you want to talk football, you called on Friday. And you said there was something crazy going down on the interstate. You remember this? You saw something, a car flew by, or there were a bunch of cops. Well, I called a high school football game on Friday night, and the opposing team, the visiting team, had to come down 94. They were rerouted because of, and I heard this through the grapevine, I don't know if this is true, a high-speed chase involving a semi. And this high school team was an hour late. They had to postpone kickoff. And I thought of you because you were out there on I-90. Yeah, I could have been right in the middle of that, kind of, sort of. I figured no, maybe I you were, you were the high speed chase was what I first thought is maybe no, you no, took no, off. No, 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 no. Oh, good. Okay. They don't they don't even try to chase me. They know they have no chance. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's a death fair kind of ninety. <laughs> Just give it up. Just <laughs> give up. Anyways. Give up right now. Oh my god. Okay, let me let me let you talk about whatever football thing you wanted to discuss. I'm sorry. Well, I gotta push back with you on the Dax Cowboys. Kirk Cousins, Trey Lance, all this stuff you're talking about. Um, well, first of all, let's start out with Kirk Cousins is a lot like Dax, and Dax is a lot like Kirk. You don't think so? Kirk has been, suck- uh, Kirk has been sucking for way longer than Dax. And, <laughs> That's not true. All right? Now, but I'm going to, I'm gonna. there's a caveat to this. Okay. Dax will be lucky to be a starting quarterback next year in the NFL. What? That's my hot take on him. Oh, okay. That's my hot take on him. Okay. All right? Okay. He doesn't do, he hasn't done anything since Ezekiel Elliott left or since last time he had a good season. Dax is not good. First off, his name is stupid. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're not going to be successful if your name is Dax. I mean, his, right. name is, his name is Dakota. You never had a friend named Dakota? I had a college oh. friend named Dakota. We called him Dak. I didn't know his, I didn't, I didn't know his full name was Dakota. Oh, that's okay. okay. I don't know his full name. Actually. That's all right. Okay, so anyway. Okay, okay. Um, but no, uh, my hot take on him, and he is not as good as Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins will be a starting quarterback next year in the NFL. It might not be for Minnesota, but he will. He'll start again because he's 
is indestructible. It's indestructible. You can't, you cannot take him out of. Has he missed the game? Well, you know what they say, Eric. Availability is the best ability, and Kirk Cousins has got that figured out. I mean, he's like, he's almost Favre-like in many ways. Um, you know, Favre could have went out there if his head was folded back like a hoodie, you know, just flopping around behind his head. And uh, I think Kirk's almost there. So um, that's my first thing. Uh, Minnesota doesn't want that Trey Lance. Because if you would have watched the Viking game on Saturday, which you probably didn't, um, our our first-round draft pick or our quarterback, not our first-round, but our quarterback pick played most of the game on Saturday. And does he ever look good? Who who was it again? Your, who is your backup now? Not Kellen Mond anymore. No, it's not Kellen Mond. It's, I can't remember his name, but he sure looked good. Wow. Uh, he's from Brigham Young. Oh, okay. I just here, here's here's my thing. Let me let me summarize how I feel really quickly. I feel like the Cowboys like Dak, and the Vikings like Kirk Cousins. But if someone else were to come along, I think they could be convinced to move on pretty quickly because they're paying Dak or they're paying Kirk Cousins a lot of money, and they're not really getting their money's worth. But they have a nice enough quarterback, a good enough quarterback that everybody likes. My thought is, well, if you get Trey Lance in the building as a lottery ticket. And a year down the road from now, you realize, holy smokes, this guy just needed some time, needed some practice to develop. Looks like he could be the real deal. Well, then the Vikings have an option. They have somebody else in the building, and it only would have cost him a fourth-round pick. But now, if they want to start developing their own guy, probably going to cost him much more than a fourth-round pick, and it's going to take a couple more years. You know? That guy's already there. I watched him play on Saturday. All right. That's the guy who's taking over. Right. John Cougar, Scott Mullenkamp. Is not going to be back next year. He might be the third. Nick, guy Nick is back. Nick Mullins on the Vikings. Yeah, that's that that. John Cougar, Nick Mullenkamp. <laughs> he's going to be, he's going to be the third quarterback this year, and uh, I, that's my take. I, I really believe that. You don't start a guy in the third preseason game and let him take all them snaps if you don't think that he's your future. Jaron Hall. I'll have to read up on this guy. Well, I, Hey, I sent a message to Paul Allen last week. I wanted to get him on with Bill and he, he must've been busy. He didn't get back to me. So I'll keep trying. I will. I'd like to learn about Jaron Hall, but I I need a Vikings guest. So I'll get to work on that. You you said you didn't like, you didn't like him. Well, as a, as a fan, of course, when I listen to Vikings games, there's a natural rivalry there. I've never met him. I don't know him. Well, I mean, you got to admit, he's got some of the best calls. He's a very good. He's a very. He's a very natural broadcaster. I never listen to him and feel like he doesn't know what to say. I never feel like he's tripping over his words. Yes, he's outstanding. I agree. You kind of feel about him like I feel about Chris Collinsworth. Like (laughs) I'll say Chris Collinsworth sucks, and you'd be like, "Well, he's one of the best broadcasters ever." Well, I like him. I'll be like, you know, so yeah, thank. Not that coming up again. I haven't seen him yet this year. So I also tried anyway, to get him for right. Bill. Didn't get an answer. So you did. Yeah. How tough is it to get those? What is the hierarchy of sports radio broadcasts? Like, who are the Rush Limbaugh's of 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 sports broadcasting? Like right now. Well, like that's if there was. A, who is it? Uh, Cowherd, probably. Yeah, Cowherd. Cowherd. Dan Patrick, of course, right. in the morning. Yeah. Dan Patrick, he's right up there. All right, these national guys. So, like, is Zach Gelb 
Zach Jack. He's a national guy. Is he higher up the totem pole than Bill Michael? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for getting, for getting guests, yeah, because he's, he's a national show. So, yeah, just by, just by the nature of how many affiliates he's on. He's got CBS behind him. He's got a team of producers. Bill just has me. I, mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can only do so much here. That's kind of the now. You know, um, how about our friend Bart Winkler? Where does he fall into that pecking order? Well, I don't, know. I don't know. He does weekends on CBS, so he's probably, I don't know, he's probably somewhere right below Zach Gelb. He's always filling in for him. Maybe Zach. I should. I should ask Bart if he can get me Chris Collinsworth. Maybe he could help out. I don't know. He's got the right guy. Eric, I. I have to run. Unfortunately, we will talk about your Vikings again because I am fascinated to see how your season goes, and I know we'll talk again soon. Yeah, have a great day, Grant. It's you, nice talking to you again. You as well. Appreciate you, Eric. Our schedules have not been synced up. You've been calling right at the end of the show, and a couple times I haven't been able to get you in here. Yeah, I did try to get Chris Collinsworth. Well, what I did is, you know, classic sneaky. Uh, trick of the trade here is i i texted the the pro football focus guy i was like hey i'd love to have uh i'd love to have uh who did i ask for uh monson sam monson haven't had him on with bill him and bill have, have a great back and forth also uh do you ever do you ever book out chris collinsworth and he said yeah i do chris's schedule is really busy and i'm like you know what radio hits only take like 10 or 11 minutes whenever people say oh, i don't have time to do a radio hit I'm like really giving you a four-hour window in the middle of the day you can't 10 10 minutes 10, 10, 12 minutes? No? Okay. All right. Just got to ask. You know me, uh, the, the the producer and host. I'm just, just trying to get guests. I would love to get Chris Collinsworth and Eric on I Night on the air at the same time. I, I would love to just let Eric on I 90 interview Chris Collinsworth, honestly. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, it's Mike from Portage. Mike in Portage. What's going on, Mike? Hey, I wanted to touch base on some of your takes here a little bit. First one... Uh, I am totally on the Washington train for this year. Yeah. I think so, Scary Terry and John Dotson are excellent wide receivers. I think Sam Howell is good enough. Not saying he's spectacular, but he has good weapons they can get him to and they can score for him. I agree. Uh, Brian Robinson, as long as he doesn't get shot again, he'll be he'll have a there is a, there is that <laughs> there is that qualifier. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, He'll have a decent year, so I think Washington's got a good team. You know, we don't want to uh, upset the Twins up there in Appleton too much. You know, we want them to have a good year. So yeah, but uh, no. Then uh, I the gotcha. but then the Lions—they're definitely going to win the division. Some people are like, "Oh, it's the Lions." You know, they're not—they're not—they're uh, the Lions. The Lions are always bad. The Lions are going to win that division. There's no doubt about it. They're probably going to be the third best team in the NFC behind Niners and the Eagles, and then the Saints are going to win the South and be the number four seed. And then my last one is, I think the Vikings are going to have a little bit of a down year this year. I think they're going to finish third in the in the North behind the Lions and the Packers. Okay. Um, it's going to be pretty close. It's going to come down to the wire between Green Bay and Minnesota. I think uh, we don't know about Alexander Madison. He showed some great uh, runs when Cook went out, but uh, that was only a couple of games. Kirk Cousins is getting up there, I, I feel. I think he's going to start slowing down. Um, so I think the Vikings are going to have a little bit down here this year. But Yeah, I, I'm just interested to see what a down year looks like for them because I think we all agree, Mike. Does a down year for them mean 9-8? and eight, Or does it mean, you know, 5-12, and 6-11, and 11, right? How, I just... I. 
I failed to see how a team that talented at wide receiver and an edge rusher, and, and, and they're very, very good at quarterback. They're not elite, but they're very good. I, I struggle to see how a team like that could completely tank. I think they'll be they'll have a down year. I just don't know what that means, you know? Nine and eight or ten and seven, probably. Same. Yeah. One one more loss than Green Bay. Is what yeah. I'm saying. All right. All right. So right there. But and and yes, Mike, and I appreciate you. I'm gonna let you go. Have an awesome night. Um I, I think that a down year for the Vikings. Let's say the Packers and the Vikings, they have the exact same record. The Vikings go nine and eight, and the Packers go nine and eight. I think the breakdown of that nine and eight season is different. It's very different. I think Packers fans, depending on how the season goes and depending on how those wins come to be, of course, we don't know what these wins look like, but if the Packers go nine and eight, I feel like, yeah, it's a great first step for Jordan love and for the next iteration of this team. Now we see what they do with the extra draft picks this off season, what they do with the salary cap space. They're going to have, we see what's next, right? We're excited to see what's next. If the Vikings go nine and eight, after getting TJ Hawkinson in the fold, making him a part of the offense, after drafting Jordan Addison, after having Justin Jefferson, and the offensive line, I think, is is getting substantially better. Uh, like Christian Darris, that's a, that's a real line that the Vikings are starting to have. If I was a Vikings fan and my team went nine and eight this year, I'd be a little bit like, okay, so what are we, what are we doing here? Like, I think the Vikings should be better than that. I think the Vikings should believe that they should be better than that. Vikings fans should expect more than that. I know they won a lot of close games last year in 13 and 3 or 13 and 4, whatever they finished. Maybe a little inflated, but that doesn't mean you come crashing back down to earth at 500. 10 and 7, 11 and 11 and 6. I that's my expectation as a Vikings fan. And I understand Detroit looks really good. I haven't seen Detroit do it yet. As of right now on August 28th, this is still the Vikings division to lose. And I need to see them fall off substantially before I buy that another team is going to win this division because they're too good at wide receiver and at quarterback and they're workable at O-line. I think Christian, or Christian, I think Alexander Madison can can be pretty darn good too. I drafted him in fantasy last night. I feel like that's going to age well, poorly. I, I'm not looking forward to that. 608-321-1670. One more phone call and then we'll take a break. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, it's Ridge Runner Mark. How are we doing, sir? I'm doing good, Ridge Runner Mark. How about you? What, what are things like in lacrosse? What's new? No, it's we need rain, but who doesn't? Yeah, um, I, wanted to, I, wanted to, I wanted to build off of your uh, your Packers take just now about expectations and what a nine eight looks like versus a Vikings nine and eight. Yeah. Here, here's my question. It's a thought experiment. What is better for Jordan Love's mental game versus the Packer fans' uh, expectations? Is it bad if he has, like, a really good year and they make the playoffs or don't quite make the push? Does that mean that our expectations become unreasonably too high? Or would it be – and, conversely, would it be better for Jordan Love to have a, a so-so down year but show flashes so that there's a slow build of expectations? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I feel like expectations are – that's our problem. I don't really think that that creeps into to how Jordan Love feels and how the Packers feel. So I, I want Jordan Love to look as good as possible this year. Now, if they lose a couple of close games and that's what keeps them out of the playoffs and they get a better draft pick because of it and they're better positioned for next year, that's a great silver lining. I, I never I never actively want my team to lose games. Uh, I just use that as a silver lining when they lose. Like, I'll tell myself, well, that'll be a better draft pick. They'll be better positioned for next year. 
I don't think I don't think raised expectations after this year are, are a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing, okay. and I don't think it would negatively impact the team. What do you think? Uh, I agree. I think um, it, it all depends on Jordan's how much he listens to the outside noise. If he listens to it a lot and almost too much, he's going to put more stress on himself. If he has a good season, that well, now I got to top it. Sure. Um, I do like that we have the luxury now of saying, "Oh, we had a down year. Now we get better draft picks." Whereas before, when we had Rodgers and we had those super high expectations. A down year was a complete failure, and you couldn't even think about high draft picks because you were so focused on, we missed another chance. Yeah. And now we have the luxury of, like, eh, no one expects it. We don't expect it. Hey, we're going to get more draft picks. Yeah. So that's kind of a nice luxury we now have that we haven't had for 30 years. I suppose. Um, because Rod- a little bit of a chance to breathe. Yeah, because Rodgers, when he came in and we got him after he dropped 26, Everyone had the expectation, oh, he was going to go number two or number one. We're ready. Now we're not, it's just we hit the ground running. Now with Jordan Love, he's kind of an unknown. I mean, I guess draft experts said, yeah, he was probably worth the first round. I don't think any Packer fans expected it. So he's truly an unknown. And we're like, yeah, maybe. So it's definitely a, a mental break, like you said, for Packer fans. Yeah. I think it'll be a nice reset for us. Uh, that reset will get very old very quickly if they stink this year and, and <laughs> looks like they're not building in the right direction. We're going backwards and instead of forward. So don't get me wrong on that. I am I'm realistic and reasonable. I know how the world works. But it'll be nice to be a step back, take a step back and go into the year and, and just be excited to watch some new players, some new guys, and see what they got going on. Ridge Runner, Mark, got to take a break. Appreciate you, though. Thank you. Right on. Take care. Yeah, have an awesome night. Get some rain. Couldn't we all use some rain? Couldn't we <laughs> preach to the choir? Ah, oh, man, we need it. Let's take a, let's take a three-minute break. Wisco Sports Show, back after that. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Brewers Cubs tonight. I am excited. The Brewers team is humming right now. Willie Thomas has found it. And what do you know? The rest of the team looks completely different as a result. It's been the story of the Brewers offense for the last couple of years, really. We need to boil it down. We can talk, is Christian Yelich back? You know, is William Contreras hitting the ball? Jesse Winker, Rowdy Telez, all these names. Mix them and, and put them in different spots and swap uh, Colton Wong with Hunter Renfro, swap him with Winker. You know what really tells you whether the Brewers are playing well or not? If Willie Adamas is hitting the ball. You take Willie Adamas, the, the whole house of cards basically comes falling down. But if he's playing well and he's hitting the ball, the rest of the team feeds off it. And it's no surprise that the last time the Brewers won eight in a row, it was actually an 11-game winning streak in total, and it was 2021, just after Willie Adamas got to town. I don't know what it is about Willie Adamas that makes this true. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just the way that it is. I'm just, I'm just calling balls and strikes. I'm telling you how I see it. But right now we're talking football. We'll probably get back into the Brewers right before the end of the show. I was sharing with you some of my unpopular NFL takes. I don't think the Trey Lance pick was that bad. It was a miss. It was the Niners trying to address a problem that every team in the league needs to address. And they missed the pick. Okay, move on. Keep trying. Keep going. 
I don't think the Jets' weapons are really that good. I don't. I don't think they're that good at all. And combine that with the fact that I don't think their offensive line is good at all. You know, we could. You know, that offense can become problematic very quickly. I think their defense is elite. I don't know how elite. You know, there's a difference between best in the league and fifth in the league because I don't think fifth in the league is going to be good enough to get the Jets where they want to go. If the defense is best in the league with a bullet, okay, then we can get somewhere. But I don't think their offense is very good. I don't think their weapons are good at all. Another take, I think Washington has lots of pep. I think it's a fun team. I think Sam Howell is going to be okay. And I, look, I think Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin are excellent, and we don't often talk about them. And they will do a lot of the work for their quarterback. And I want to talk about that idea coming up in a few minutes, doing the work for your quarterback as wide receiver, making something happen. Uh, my last unpopular NFL take, I don't think the Bears roster is that bad. I think it's solid. I think it's a nice foundation. There's not a lot of special players, I don't think. But there are a lot of very good players. You win a lot of games that way, especially nowadays in the NFC. Something else in the NFL not including the Packers, but an NFL story that I saw popping up today. And I'm very confused where this came from. I woke up and I turned on Get Up and they were doing, I don't know exactly what the segment was, something or nothing or buy or sell or, you know, job or not. I I don't remember what it was, but they were talking about Russell Wilson and someone posed the question like buy or sell or something or nothing. Russell Wilson will not start all 17 games for the Broncos this year. And I thought, what is is this ridiculousness? This is Mike Tannenbaum. This is this morning on Get Up. I guess this is, I saw this this morning. He first, I should say, distributed this take late last week. This is Mike Tannenbaum talking about Russell Wilson. And I saw this sentiment this morning. I would be shocked if Russell Wilson was the starter for 17 games this season. And here's why. The conversations that Sean Payton is having with ownership is year one is about culture and accountability. It's Bill Parcells' approach, and he's going to see Russell Wilson as an opportunity to hold players accountable. And when there's a bump in the road, Greeny, what's going to happen is he's really talking to Jerry Judy, Garrett Bowles, the young nucleus of this team to say the standard is the standard. And if I bench Russell Wilson, I can bench you. And I know the way Sean thinks. The, he, I'm just telling you, if Russell Wilson has the smallest bump in the road, he will be benched, and Sean's going to look at it as an opportunity to set the culture and the standard moving forward. So there's almost two topics in one here, um, and I could, I could do an hour on, on either one. We could talk for an hour about what should the Broncos do if Russell Wilson looks the same this year. Like that, that's an interesting topic. Because I think the Broncos thought, and reasonably so, we'll get a new coach in here. We'll flush last year completely. New coach will come in here. Sean Payton, experienced, done it before, perfect. He's going to show up and say, this is my way. I'm proven. The guys will listen to me, respect me. Great. And I think Russell Wilson will probably be a little bit better this year. And the roster is is very good. I like. I, I think the Broncos will be better this year. But let's just say they're not. Let's say Russell Wilson sucks now. And last year's Russell Wilson is the new Russell Wilson. Broncos do. What can they do with his contract? What can they do? Do they have a backup plan at quarterback? What do they do with Sean Payton? What do they do with this guy, that guy? I mean, it's it's a fascinating what if. It's a fascinating hypothetical. If Russell Wilson sucks, what do they do? Do they play him because, well, 
what else are we what else are we going to do? Do they bench him? And if they bench him for for who? And another question is how bad does it have to get? How many games does it take? How long is the leash? Like what does Russell Wilson have to do to get benched? We can have a million spin-off conversations about Russell Wilson and the plans of the Broncos if he looks bad and continues to look bad. But there's another nugget in here that I think we could tie back into the Packers and I'm going to eyeball it back to the part of the clip where I think Mike Tannenbaum starts talking about it. I'm going to play this one more time. Garrett Bowles, the young nucleus of this team, to say the standard is the standard. And if I bench Russell Wilson, I can bench you. And I know the way Sean thinks. He, I'm just telling you, if Russell Wilson has the smallest bump in the road, he will be benched. And Sean's going to look at it as an opportunity to set the culture and the standard moving forward. Okay. That's very interesting to me. Because essentially how I'm hearing that is Sean Payton would look to make an example out of Russell Wilson to show that no player is bigger than the franchise, no player is bigger than the GM, the coach, or the owner. There's a hierarchy, and we're not going to let a player, like I think Nathaniel Hackett, let Russell Wilson last year, get too big, not going to have your own office, you're not going to get special treatment. And I agree that all of that is great on paper. I I do. I, I don't think that one player should be bigger than the franchise. I don't think one player should have that much say. But it's 2023, and star quarterbacks can be a little prickly, and they can be a little eccentric. Think of the NBA as well. Stars like things the way they like things. And and I think coaches that can understand that and executives that can understand that are more successful because coaches and executives, smart ones these days, know to let the player be just a little bit. Let's talk about Brian Gutekinds the last couple of years. I know a lot of Packers fans got really frustrated with Rodgers' antics. Frame them however you want, right? Rodgers, you know, off-the-field distractions, Rodgers' comments on this or that, whatever. A lot of people felt that Rodgers got bigger than the team, and it happened on the watch of Brian Gutekinds and the watch of Matt LaFleur. And Matt LaFleur should have put his his foot down and said, this is how we're going to run my offense, and we're going to call these plays, and damn it, don't call audibles. And Brian Gutekinds needs to say, hey, you're not going to go on the Pat McAfee show and say this. You're going to... But I don't think that's how you correctly manage people in 2023 in professional sports. I think it takes a very big man in Brian Gutekinds to basically take it on the chin for three years in order to give your team and your fans and your franchise the best chance to win a Super Bowl. And that was the reality with Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure Brian Gutekinds was pissed. When Aaron Rodgers came back in 2021 after they had worked it out over the summer and they'd come to some sort of an agreement and we thought this matter was settled and Rodgers waltzed back into training camp and went off on a 20-minute scorched earth press conference that made the Packers seem like villains to make them seem like, like selfish robot owners and executives that don't care about the players and only care about money and saving a penny here. I'm sure Brian Gutekunst was pissed. And he would have loved nothing more than to call a press conference of his own and say, okay, well, this is what you don't understand. And this is where Rodgers isn't being truthful. And this is where he's wrong. And let me explain this. But that's not Brian Gutekind's job. Brian Gutekind's job is to not win the you-know-what measuring contest. His job is to win football games and to put his team and his franchise in the best position possible to win a Super Bowl. And a lot of people, and I... and. I'm not making up a straw man here. I, a lot of people called the show, and I've talked to friends who are Packers fans. He said, Brian Gutekind and Matt LaFleur need to do something about Aaron Rodgers. They're letting him run the team. I, mm, that's not it. 
They are swallowing their own pride and their own ego and letting Rodgers kind of be Rodgers because, you know, that's what's good for the football team. This isn't about ego. This isn't about, uh, this isn't about pride. This isn't about being right. This is about winning football games. And I thought Matt LaFleur the last couple of years and Brian Gutekunst understood that really well. And I give him a lot of credit for that. A lot of people would say that Brian Gutekunst is weak for how he handled the last couple of years. I would argue the opposite. And to tie this back to this Russell Wilson comment about how Sean Payton's going to look to make an example and, and to start the culture, I, I just don't know if that's the correct way to run a football team in 2023. Russell Wilson might not be good anymore, and maybe he's not the quarterback of the future, and that is a big, long, and uncomfortable conversation that the Broncos would then have to have. But I... I don't know if if cutting off your nose to spite your face is the answer. I don't know if benching your quarterback to prove to your right tackle that things are going to be different around here. I don't I don't I don't know if that's I don't know. As soon as there's the smallest bump in the road, we're going to bench Russell Wilson. I don't know that that's smart management. There might be times this year where Sean Payton would be best served to probably swallow his pride a little bit, to placate Russell Wilson just a little bit, assuming Russell Wilson plays football a little bit better than he did last year. When when men and their egos get in the way, get in the way of things, that's when a lot of these things go south. I can tell you what, what's going on between Jonathan Taylor and the Colts probably wouldn't be happening if they were owned by a woman. Like I I, I feel pretty confident saying that Jim Irsay is is being a little bit of a rich, stuck up, egotistical, rich man. Like like I don't I, I don't think this would be a problem if it was an owner or, or a GM or someone who is more reasonable, less rich, or just a woman, because women don't get hung up on these sorts of things. Men do. Uh, and that's why, again, I give a lot of credit to Goody the last couple of years for basically swallowing his pride, taking it on the chin publicly so his football team could be in the best position possible to try to win a Super Bowl. Let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back, talk a little bit more about Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, but I, I, I want to talk the Brewers as well before we say goodbye because they got a big game tonight against the Cubs, and I still have some more things to say about the Brewers. So that's all coming up. Five minutes on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Appreciate you hanging out today. Going to put the podcast up just after 6 o'clock. I also have a fantasy draft right after the show tonight. Uh, I had a draft last night. Don't know that I loved it. Uh, who did I get? Bajan Robinson, Mark Andrews, A.J. Brown. I used the full 90 seconds to stare at C.D. Lamb and A.J. Brown. I took A.J. Brown. I feel like whatever pick I was going to make was probably going to be wrong. So I'm just accepting that right now. I have something that I want to play for you. A little bit of audio from Jordan Love on Saturday. I think it's an excellent point. Mike Clemens sent it to me earlier today, and I love it. So I want to share it with you, talk about it for a couple minutes. But first, I want to take a call. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Thanks, Grant. Denny from Holman. Denny and Holman, how are you, you son of a gun? Good. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I, I got the, the pre-fantasy football draft jitters, so I'm just doing my best to stay calm and, and you know stay focused on the task at hand, finishing off the, the next 17 minutes of this radio show. Are you going to pick Anders Carlson for your picker? <laughs> I, I feel like I have to. I should put my mouth uh, my money where my mouth is. There you go. I got to say, I got to hats off to your kicker on Saturday. You know, I mean, he could have just choked too, you know, and one was a bad snap, that first one, and 
that 57, I think, would have been good from 65. That's what I, that's the first thing that's out of my mouth because you, there's always the masculine urge to point out how yep. far the kick would be good from. Like if he makes a, a 48 yard kick, you got to turn right. around and say, that would have been good for 58. Like we always got to add that on for some reason. I don't know that but it's a thing that yep. men do. But I'll tell you, it, it was very, very, I mean, I thought the whole game was very, very promising. So I, uh, you know, I I guess that's our new team, and we'll see where Goody wants to go from there. And if he wants to add anything after he makes his cutdowns and stuff, it'll be interesting to see who gets on the, you know, on the taxi squad and stuff. You know, for yeah. the guys that he picks and stuff. But uh, hats off to the Brewers. Our pitching. I mean, man, a month ago you'd have said, "Geez, we just can't do anything," you know. But I tell you what, the the pitching's really come through for him. The pitching's come through, and now all of a sudden the offense can score runs again. And it turns out all they needed wow. was Willie Adamas to just do a little bit of something, and everyone else follows yeah. suit. And you know, it wasn't that long ago we were saying when we were down four to one, four to nothing, five to one. Yeah. Oh, we're done. So, you know, we yep. got to throw in the towel. We'll not. We'll never make a run. You know. Yeah. And Frederick's been just outstanding. I mean, that guy is really our rookies have really come through. Yesterday they fell behind four to one, and Denny. It, it felt like the game getting started. I'm like, ooh, now it's interesting, like a challenge. I, I felt optimistic I about it. it. It was so weird. And then when Rowdy, you know, had a dinger, that was great too. You know, for him, for his confidence. <sighs> yeah, I like. Did this. you see they were talking about moving Yelich to first? Who said that? Were they talking about it? It was. TV? It was on a sports. You know, just on the comments. You know, like all uh, on Google and stuff like that. Oh, I gotcha. That yeah. they were said they were saying that that could be one move the Brewers would make, you know, if they wanted to put like say Frederick out in the outfield for good, or or you know Weimer out there for good, or whatever. Yeah. But that's a move they thought they could make. But I I never see him as a first baseman. I don't either. He's too lanky. Although that is always what yeah. we do. Like we can this person play first base? That's what we did with Ryan Braun for years. We did it for years. So right. that's kind of the natural progression. If you're a brewer long enough, at some point, we're going to wonder if you can play first. And do you really think that situation in Denver with Sean, do you really think, I mean, for the amount of money that they got stuck in Russell, you know, that they, with the trade that they did and everything, I mean, do you really think he would sit them? Well, that's another thing. His extension doesn't kick in until this next off season. I, I just okay. like, yeah, in a dream scenario, if Russell Wilson isn't any good, I'm sure they'd love to Benjamin move on, but I don't think they can. I'm pulling up his salary cap breakdown right yeah, now. Ooh, I man. agree with you. I think that that's a big part of it too, you know, and I mean, to to write Russell Wilson off, you know, like I said, you got to figure out that whole team last year really was sinking before he came on ship, you know, and yeah. I think, uh, I think you got to give Russell, you know, a full year, this year again and you know i mean i know he's not as fast as he used to be you know but i mean i think he's still got the arm and i I think he's still got the talent could very well be the case the broncos built a foundation for aaron Rodgers, and then they stuck russell wilson in there like it would be fine and i i just don't know that that was fair to russell wilson i will give him credit even though i'm not a huge fan uh his number next year goes from 22 he's scheduled to make 22 million this year next year it's 35 then the next year it's 55 then it's 58 53 and 54 he's under contract in denver through 2028 
Is it, that's going to be kind of hard just to say, well, if we don't need your services, you know, yeah. walk away. Yeah, it's a lot of money against Denver. So it'll no doubt be interesting. Cost. I just, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical that they'll bench him and I don't know. I, I don't, they didn't bring in Sean Payton to, I, I don't know. They brought in Sean Payton to make it okay with Russell Wilson. And anyone who denies that, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like you're not, you're not seeing straight or you're not being honest. Denny, I got to play a little bit okay. of Jordan Love audio and take a break. I appreciate All you. All right, you take care. Yeah, nice talking well. to you. Yeah, you have as well. Me. Always. Have a good night, too. Sorry I cut you off there at the end. I knew what you were saying, though, Denny. You have a great night as well, and I appreciate you. Mike Clemens sent me Jordan uh, Love Audio from Saturday, and it was, you know, run-of-the-mill post-game stuff. This quote was interesting. This is the last thing that I played when I talked to Mike earlier today. I love this. I'm a big fan. I'm just going to play it for you. Jordan Love says young Packers offense will be able to move the ball in a variety of ways. Here it is. I think just positive gains, moving the ball forward is the biggest thing. You know, check downs can turn into big plays, but we have explosive plays that are out there. It's just a matter of hitting them. Um, and I think we've done that. And then there's times we haven't done that. So it's just a matter of being consistent with it. I mean, I think we got a, a number of playmakers on the team. It's just getting them the ball on the offense um, and letting them do what they do. But, I mean, I think check downs can turn into big plays too. So he said something twice in those 22 seconds that I loved. You, uh, any idea on maybe what it was that jumped out to me? said, checkdowns can turn into big plays. Yes! 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 This is, yes! 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 Correct. This is how I want to approach football. And and I don't want to rip Aaron Rodgers here. Aaron Rodgers is brilliant. Won four MVPs. He won a Super Bowl. He's one of the best quarterbacks I've ever watched in my life. It's him and Patrick Mahomes, really. But what do I always say about Aaron Rodgers? He made football harder than it needed to be. Like, oh, this unbelievable throw to Adams. Fits it into three defenders. is okay. So you made a 10 out of 10 degree of difficulty throw to pick up 25 yards. Great. Now what? Can you do that again? Can you do that repeatedly? Is that good, sustainable, replicable offense? No, I, don't, I don't think so. You know what I mean? Can you, can you do that, as Bill Michaels would say, on the consistent? Can you do that over and over and over again? Because you know what? When I watch the Patriots in January, a lot of really simple plays, easily executable. You can do them over and over and over again. You can march the ball right up and down the field. Those plays work against good defenses, bad defenses, average defenses. The idea that a checkdown can turn into a big play is the best idea that's happened to this Packers team since Mark Murphy built that damn sledding hill. This is what I want. And that's why that play to Christian Watson, that touchdown that they got against the Eagles last year was such a brilliant example of why football doesn't need to be that hard. Everyone was hyped up about Jordan Love after him coming in in, in relief against the Eagles. And the staunchest of Aaron Rodgers defenders were like, well, it was an easy play. It was basically a check down. Exactly. There you go. Yes, it was. Exactly. That was it. It was a glorified check down. But that's all it needed to be because Christian Watson is unbelievable. And if you just put the ball in his hands and let him go, he can take one to the house. You don't need to hit him 45 yards down the field. Just get the ball in his hands and let him go. Let him do the work for you. Checkdowns can turn into big plays. My God. I'm going to have to. Go to the bathroom after this show, after listening to that quote. And yes, it's for the exact reason that I'm I'm leading you to think. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little aroused. Yeah, that's it. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Welcome. <laughs> hey, Grant. Tony. Texas. What's going on? Hey, ha- have you put your resume into the local San Francisco radio station? You nine or home? Are you? 
Not a niner homer. And 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 I've readdressed this take tonight because you felt like I you made me feel earlier today like I needed a to tighten up my take a little bit. I don't think it was that bad of a pick. It didn't work out and they're gonna get dragged for it, but I don't think the process was bad. Okay. Well we uh we'll talk about that later. I got I got a <laughs> comment though on what you just said because you actually made some sense here on this this little take. Oh, thank you. This is the equivalent of the Bucks just gunning threes, Brooke Lopez, Giannis. And these other guys, you know, Bobby Portis maybe, they just keep on shooting threes and it's not going in that day. And you know they can just overpower the team and take it to the rim. Yes. Post up Brooke. Yep. Giannis can get to the lane. Aaron Rodgers just wanted to throw the deep pretty ball, make it, you know, just look cool out there, throw the cool ball, which, you know, it worked out a lot. But when the players weren't as good and when Aaron regressed, it just wasn't connecting. It's a low percentage play. But, you know, you got to do some of those to open up those little smaller plays. And that's yep. what, hopefully, Jordan Love gets a good – he can't just do straight-up checkdowns. We know that, right? We don't want that. But he can blow, you know, blow the top over with, uh, with Christian Watson. Then those little underneath to A.J. Dillon and, and to Jones, these are going to be 15, 20-yard you know, runs after catch. I agree, Tony, and that you're making some outstanding points. I love the Bucks comparison because when the Bucks beat – the Suns, and they came back after losing the first two games, what did they do? They stopped focusing on shooting threes, and they just beat the tar out of the Suns game after game. They warmed down. They got Aiton in foul trouble. They got to the free throw line. Drew Holiday is this big, overpowering player. Chris Middleton is bigger, stronger. They beat the tar out of the Suns in the paint, and they beat him on the offensive glass. Didn't have to be pretty. Didn't have to be perfect. Just had to get the job done. That's what I want the Packers to do. You know, when that Packer offense is really rolling – with about 2014-ish, when Eddie Lacy was was carrying the ball. Yeah. How many little – and Eddie was not known for being a great uh, catch-out-of-the-backfield kind of guy, but how many little checkdowns did Aaron throw to him and Lacy would just break off a guy's – Yep. Like a bowling ball. Yep. He had one of the worst, best runs ever against the Cardinals in the playoffs that one year, one year when he was probably about 40 pounds overweight. Yep. And just took it like 70 yards. So – that's what I'm hoping A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones get a lot of. Because I think Watson, Dobbs, this Jaden Reed, who I really like, in, in awesome Mike Clemens interview and, and just radio spots of Clemens. I could listen to that guy all day, making good points about these players. And, and Jaden Reed's one of them, man. That guy's going to be a player. So I, I love what the Packers are doing. I'm kind of I'm kind of high in them, man. I'm, I'm bullish on the pack. I'm excited. There's a lot of things that I'm excited about going into week one. We need to keep our head this season because I think there's going to be some ups and downs. But if we can keep our head and keep perspective, I think this is going to be a really fun Packers season. And I'm looking forward to it, right. Tony. You, you enjoy it while you're, you're working in uh, San Francisco. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Have a good one. All right, see you later. <laughs> Tony in Texas. Appreciate that guy. Three minutes and we'll come back, wrap up the show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Been a fun show tonight. Uh, it's not that I didn't expect it to be a fun show. It's just, you know, I I did Bill's show earlier today, and I, I, I run out of energy. I only have so much excitement and spunk in me. This will be six hours of live solo radio. 
Uh, so I was a little worried. You get towards 5.30, 5.45, start running out of things to say, but not been the case. And I appreciate Tony in Texas. I, I really like that call. I liked everything that Tony had to say. And I love the comparison to the box. Jordan loves saying touchdowns or, or checkdowns can turn into big plays too. Let me play that clip one more time for those of you who maybe didn't hear it. I think just positive gains, moving the ball forward is the biggest thing. You know, checkdowns can turn into big plays, but we have explosive plays that are out there. It's just a matter of hitting them. Um, and I think we've done that. And then there's times we haven't done that. So it's just a matter of being consistent with it. I mean, I think we got a, a number of playmakers on the team. It's just getting them the ball on the offense um, and letting them do what they do. But, I mean, I think checkdowns can turn into big plays too. Checkdowns can turn into big plays. Tom Brady knows that well. Patriots fans know that well. You don't need to shoot for the moon every single play. Take what the defense is giving you and let your playmakers make plays. There's a reason you draft Christian Watson, who's got unbelievable speed. And it's not just to run deep and stretch the defense. Get the ball in his hands and let him run with the ball. It's dangerous. He can house it at any time. Checkdowns can turn into touchdowns or big plays. I'll put I'll take I'll put my Grant Bills radio spin on it. Checkdowns get touchdowns. Put that on a t-shirt. Enjoy Brewers Cubs tonight. I'll be back tomorrow to talk about it at four.